Quiet on the set. From the studios of the Modern School of Film, welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, the freedom of dizziness. Writer, singer, Matt Berniger is with us. Welcome. to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film. With you on Murmur Radio. Social handles at MSF Murmur. That's Twitter, Instagram. Download the show. Subscribe to the show. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Oh, also leave a review for the show on iTunes. Those are helping really cool those are really helping thank you thank you for doing that keep doing it if you have a subject you'd like me to match with a guest on the show email me directly murmurradio at gmail.com i will match your subject with a guest and we could bring you on we don't have to you can sit and listen you can marvel you could guffaw all of the above you could throw things throwing things won't help though <laughs> but, you, but you knew that <laughs> murmur radio welcome Welcome back to Murmur. Every Murmur is one subject and one guest. Today's guest is a writer, a singer, a frontman. He's not a musician. He seems to make that distinction, though I don't think it's really necessary. But he has been the face of a band that really has a resonance that really works against the need for any face. But Matt's is it. Matt Berniger of The National. The Nationals turning 20 this year. I don't even know if he watermarks it that way. You know, the Nationals are really interesting alchemy of DNA, and I mean that literally this time. Uh, two sets of brothers and Matt. Matt's brother has also been involved documenting the band in faux and non-faux ways. Matt's wife, a former fiction editor of The New Yorker, has written lyrics with Matt and the guys for many years. Uh, Matt has a really fascinating backstory. Uh, he originally wanted to study, and I believe he did start studying pre-med. I wonder how he is at operation. Maybe I should ask him that. Change from pre-med to design, uh, before design was cool, but music became the path. And it's always fun to have another Brooklyn refugee on the show, Matt Berniger. Uh, today's subject, though, not at all flippant, not at all tongue-in-cheek. It's a topic I've wanted to tackle on a personal and a more forward-facing level. 
the subject today is anxiety. No matter what your disposition is, spiritually, religiously, or poetically, we have the potential to learn that there are things around us that don't truly exist. At the very least, there are feelings. Feelings are intangible, feelings are ephemeral, feelings are fleeting, feelings are transitory, but they are also real things. They can move us to real things and real actions and real reactions, from as simple as a tear, if that's at all simple, to not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, to rushing to be first online to something, to signing up to something, to truly anything. So whatever your disposition is on that which has no physical form, we can agree that there are things, and we're all privy to them, that we can't touch. Anxiety. Along the spectrum of such realities and such nomenclature, let's say, I can draw any of them for you, and I'm sure you can draw them back to me in your way in terms of how they make you feel. To me, anxiety and maybe how it differs from depression and maybe how it differs from fear and maybe how it differs from panic and how maybe it differs from paranoia and maybe how it differs from phobia. Not that it's dissociated from these states. You can make the argument that some of these states are are the next levels of anxiety or the cousins of anxiety or ride shotgun to anxiety. Anxiety has always felt to me like a head racing, a mental agitation almost flipping through the files of what I deduce to be that which is causing me anxiety. I feel my stomach drop. I feel a vulnerability. I feel a swirling almost. I feel an agitation. I feel an elevation of speed. I feel a fear. Now again, anxiety is not fear. Anxiety swirls. At one point I was guided that when anxiety comes on to literally sit and think of a thought bubble and what in that thought bubble is causing the anxiety and to pluck it down to me and to look at it. Now, not really the point, more to the point, more to the idea of having Matt on to talk about anxiety, to talk about his potential anxieties. I don't care what song lyrics or what song an artist is creating. No one knows about another's anxiety, but it does live in some form in all of us. And if you doubt that immediately, let's think of it a different way, because anxiety in a state can move you towards productive action. Let's call them butterflies for a second. The idea of having a good butterfly in your stomach, a first date, a job you really want. Now, those butterflies seen from another butterfly owner can be anxiety, which leads to dread, which leads to panic, which leads to which leads to paralysis. So I don't take anxiety lightly, I don't take it glibly, but I wanna look at it humanely and honestly with Matt. I'm a firm believer in the hereditary basis of anxiety. I am a firm believer in the biochemical causes of anxiety. I'm fascinated by those things and I'm terrified by those things, but I wanna sidebar those things for today because today I'm more interested in how people sit with their anxiety, the inducements of anxiety. Yes, the causes, but not the bases of the anxiety. That's not what today is about. Can anxiety serve certain elements of our life while detracting from many others? This is a tough one. It's tough to find areas of our life where anxiety can really proactivate something. It's based on an expectation of what may have happened before. It's based on self-esteem. That's where anxiety touches depression, how we feel about ourselves. But to me, it's an outward state. It's a state that exists around us. Isn't it fascinating that a state that exists around us ultimately resides in the silhouette of us? Our anxiety is really all about us. It's manageable. It can be managed by pills. It can be managed by therapy. It can be managed by meditation. It can be managed by yoga. It can be managed by all the above and more. It can be managed by diet, sleep, exercise. I mean, we can go on and on and on, but I wanted to sit with it today with 
mad, his reactions to his anxiety, how his anxiety treats him. I'm not trying to diminish people who feel such high anxiety that they can't stop crying or they can't open their eyes or that they can't stop screaming. Think of going to bed at night. A lot of times that's when we wrestle with anxiety. I know I do on a nightly basis for many years wrestling with anxiety in sleep states. So today part of it is to see all the different forms of anxiety, to look at as many states of anxiety, things that induce anxiety in Matt, and, and feel what that feels like. Maybe that's the best we can do today in an hour. Maybe by sitting with Matt's perspective on anxiety in his life, a different context for one's anxiety will emerge. It's not a vulnerability, anxiety. It is a cause and effect, but to me, what makes it a very difficult cause and effect to live with and simultaneously a fascinating cause and effect to think about is it deals with past, present, future equally. I know it can feel inescapable. I know it can. So maybe Matt's will shine some kind of light. I do think anxiety is one of those things when we hear that shared anxiety in other people's mouths, it changes our anxiety. It changes our levels. So suffice it to say, I can't say it enough, but I think it's intensely brave for Matt to share his with us. I don't discount that. I keep that safely. I share that safely with you. And as I tend to be on a weekly basis, I'm humbled he would do it. And I'm honored he would do it. So today on Murmur, Spoiler alert, we're only going to scratch this surface today, but who better to have to scratch? Today on Murmur, Matt Berniger, anxiety ahead. Now this. Julia, wake up. What? What are you looking at? Bob, is it the storm? Does it bother you? No. Honey... You remember what I told you before about seeing something outside? Yes. Julia, there's a man out there. I, I, I don't mean a man, I mean a... I don't know what I mean. I mean... Maybe a... What do they call him during the war? Violence. Julia, don't look at me like that. Bob! I am not imagining it. I'm not imagining it. He's out there. Don't look. He's not there now. He jumps away whenever anyone might see him, except me. Honey, he's there. I realize what this sounds like. Do I look insane? No, darling, no. I know I had a mental breakdown. I know I had it in an airplane. I know it looks to you as if the same thing's happening again, but it isn't. I'm sure it isn't. The reason I'm telling you this isn't just to worry you. You notice I didn't tell you before. Well, I want you to tell me. I didn't tell you before because I wasn't sure whether it was real or not. But I am sure now it is real. There's a man out there. Or a, a gremlin or whatever. <laughs> if I described him to you, you'd really think I was gone. No, darling, it's all right. It's Julia, all right. I know your intentions are good. I know you love me and sympathize with me, but don't patronize me. I am not insane. Did I say... It doesn't have to be said. It's in your face and your... Look, for the last time, that creature is out there. And the reason I'm telling you is he's starting to tamper with one of the engines. Look. Look. Think anything you want. Think... I belong in a straitjacket if it pleases you. If it pleases you. No, no, no. I, 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 I didn't mean that. What I mean is... Whatever you think of me, 
but I'm losing my mind. Keith, all I'm asking you to do is to tell the pilots what I've said. Ask them to keep an eye on the wings. If they see nothing... All right. All right, then I'll commit myself. But if they do... I did something I never do uh, because it's sort of on the nose, but I looked up uh, what thinkers of record thought about today's subject, which is anxiety. And actually, of about 100 quotes I read and scanned, only one person you may have heard of had something decent to say about anxiety. (laughs) Our friend Kierkegaard said, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. He said, to venture causes anxiety, but to not venture is to lose oneself. So I was kind of mentally deadlocked, so I need to call in an expert. I have an expert. I have trapped an expert by phone. He was a graphic designer before graphic design was even cool. Uh, He is the lead singer of the band Nancy, of course, and the writer and lead singer of the Grammy-winning band The National. 20 years, dude. Uh, Not to bury the lead. Happy anniversary to those guys. Uh, But he's also a professor. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, he's a style professor at the Matt Berninger School of Music. It's a great school. I recommend it highly. He once said, I took art classes in high school. That was my main thing. I loved art, but I was also kind of brainy. I have bad news for him. He's still kind of brainy. Please welcome to the Modern School of Film and to Murmur Radio, Dr. Matt Berninger. Doctor. Hello. Doctor, how are you, man? I'm great. How are you? Good, man. I don't have a license yet. I'm not licensed, so... Uh... I'm more of a, a, a quack, a style quack than a, than a style doctor, professor. But anyway. At least you study pre-med or try to. Like, I want my doctors to have some medical background, with all due respect. Well, I did, I, I did study pre-med. You know what's so funny about with your, your introduction is you brought up Soren Kierkegaard. And I actually I, – I went – I was dating a, a girl in college um, who, was old, who was two years older than me and who was a really smart and really into philosophy and everything. And uh, and she invited me to a Halloween party and I said, decided to go as Soren Kierkegaard. <laughs> pressure, but, but I didn't – 
I didn't do any research to like figure out like I just looked up like old like I figured out like like obscure uh, uh, obscure philosopher he's not, he's not obscure I was an idiot anyway so I show up dressed like like what I think he may have looked like and and she walked and, and she said what are you dressed as and, uh, and I said Soren Kierkegaard and she's like you don't look the, the anything like Soren Kierkegaard and she brings up like a picture she has like of a, she had like a book with her like, you know like that this is what Soren Kierkegaard looks at so then she made me wear a dress the rest of the evening um, but and, but we dated for about three years after that so um yeah that was really my only only connection to Soren Kierkegaard I would say but um but your quote is that is actually I hadn't hadn't heard that and that is kind of um that's really beautiful what is it it is the uh, anxiety is the is the is the the side effect of freedom the dizziness of freedom and it makes two points that dizziness is an underrated idea and to venture causes anxiety but, but to not venture is to lose oneself i want to name my dog Soren, but that's a different conversation i, I want your definition of anxiety actually uh how do you define it if, if someone like me happens to like now put you on the spot and say what is anxiety what is it I mean, it is, it's, it's all about the self. I mean, there's different versions of it. You know, there's this general, like, you know, existential dread, right. That causes anxiety, um, general anxiety and, 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 and this, this feeling that we call anxiety of, you know, the, whatever the horrors of the news that we, you know, are, are constantly absorbing. But I guess the anxiety that I, that I was more, you know, a version of it is, is sort of the, the, the self-conscious, uh, what will people think of me? Mm. What will God think of me? What will my dad think of me? What will my wife think of me? What will my kid think of me? You know, what will these strangers think of me? Um, and what do they think of me? There's two sides of it. It's it's the anxiety of what you're what you think they currently think of you, and your anxiety of of not being able to properly express yourself and to show everyone who you really are. That causes that causes a certain resentment and contempt and anger. You know, and 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 um and anxious behavior right but it's all about it's all about you it's all about this like big big ego some of it that, that relates to with Kierkegaard say with like with freedom yeah there is a once you've sort of tasted freedom or or, or someone's taken something away from you the anxiety of ever like losing that again or defending that is always there and and, and that, that gets formed as a kid and all that kind of stuff and and so to, to, to suppress it or to own it has been has been probably the most motivating thing for me you know it, it wasn't so much to be to be a maybe a little bit to be adored you know yeah a little bit the, the pursuit of like why, why did I go into you know such an extroverted projection of myself and I just like you know I, like, like all these songs are about myself and I sing them out loud to thousands of people you know about myself and all these like intimate personal things and and somebody who's really anxious has always has always felt really like like socially, you know, at parties. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm good at parties, but I also I, I think most people feel really self conscious and don't feel very comfortable at parties, and I never do. And only recently have I started feeling comfortable on stage and all that kind of stuff. So it's just it's and my dad has you know was is a has a panic attacks and had has same sort of like public speaking anxieties his whole life but then he became a lawyer which was like <laughs> kind of went right into it where it's like you have to stand up in front of a court you know in front of people in a court and and defend it, like i can't imagine him doing something more stressful um you know so he went he he went right at the thing that scared him the most and i think maybe me 
being, you know, standing in lights in front of a bunch of people and singing really, really intimate, kind of less than self-aggrandizing sometimes and um, less than than beautiful things about myself or about others and everything about my heart or whatever is because of so much contempt for having to conceal it or, or something, you know, or, or yeah. you know, yeah. just fighting against the, my, the thing I hate the most about myself or something. Is it anticipatory by nature? I always think about anxiety. It's, it's kind of uh, the light in the distance is a train coming at you. One of my favorite, actually, not to cherry pick this, but one of my favorite, I'm not a Buddhist, but one of my favorite Buddhist, uh, because I want to sound smart, I say words like Buddhist and Kierkegaard. Yeah. Um, the Buddhist believe that if you're living in the past, you're depressed. If you're living in the future, you're anxious. And if you're living in the present, you're at peace. Now, I think peace is overrated, but what do you make of that? Is anxiety an anticipatory state, and does that change its uh, structure? That's a beautiful balance of those feelings and those words, and, 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 and it does it makes a lot of sense. I, I do think the things that, that make us depressed often are uh, regrets and um, chemicals, too, you know. Yeah. Um, alcohol and lack of exercise and lack of oxygen and lack of nature make us depressed too. But, but yeah, I think dwelling on mistakes and regrets and and and, and things that you can't go and undo or redo or apologize for, you know. But then also, probably even more so, the things that you can, but you you, you just can't bring yourself to do it. Mm, yeah. You know, calling your mom and saying sorry or whatever. Yeah, or whatever your bandmate or your wife or. Yeah, anxiety. I do feel like is a, is a different thing. It's I. It's less of a weight that's pulling me backwards than it is a, a sharp wind at your at your face that you have to lean into. You know, like mm. leaning into cold wind is what what anxiety. My battle with anxiety always sort of feels like. And and but then it's when you conquer it. When you when you that that's why I'm saying there's a thing, the euphoria of like coming into a warm room after being out in the cold wind, meaning like you coming off that stage or like being on stage or 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 get, doing that public speaking or, or or all those things, has become an addictive thing for me. For, for so so conquering that those 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 social anxieties and that 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 you know speaking and and as a young man i was always uh i always talked a lot but i was always a nervous talker i still am i just i talk fast i talk manically i, I i've always tried to slow down and it's and it's and it's always been hard but but to the point where i i would fall apart in in like tiny little little conversational moments with adults and stuff as a young man where i just just get nervous and I remember one time on, on a holiday vacation meeting some just strangers on the beach, just like, you know, some other people's parents. And they asked me where I was from. And I said, Cincinnati. And they said, what part of Cincinnati? And I was just nervous and I was pulling on my T-shirt and I said, Ohio. And it was this was I was like a, I was like a 16 year old man. You know, I was a young man. I wasn't I wasn't a little kid. This is this is this is like, what's wrong with me? And I don't know why that 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 example, it's such an innocuous, little, stupid, little moment. I don't know why that stuck with me, but I remember realizing there was something wrong about me, or I thought there's something wrong about me. Like, what is it? Why do I short circuit in front of people? And why am I so worried about what people think about me? And why do I, why do I loathe my idea of other people's image of me so much, right? That I can't even answer a simple question without pulling, pulling on my t-shirt and, and just, you know, just losing, losing all focus of, of just a simple conversation. So I, um, that's always been a little part of me. And, and I think, and especially when it came to like 
talking to girls and, and not being able to figure out how to speak to, to girls. And I didn't, I didn't really date anybody till college because I just couldn't go up to anybody. I really wanted to talk to because I was terrified. And I really do think that music and rock and roll and, 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 and all that stuff, <laughs> I figured out ways to talk to women through that. And so then I, when I started writing songs in, in, in college, with my friends, I was like, Oh, I can really take my time and write these love letters, you know, sometimes to specific women, but, but other, but to just, <laughs> to just women in general. And then I started writing love letters to just, my own anger and all that stuff. And I just realized that I found a way to like take my time and get the words right. Yeah. Get the words right. So that people understood me because I just being misunderstood or being, being seen as a mess when I wasn't a mess was so important to me. And I think I could, can't play the guitar. So words and lyrics and all that kind of stuff. And I had to figure out how to sing them um, or else, you know, what was I going to do is write these for other people. And I didn't want to be a poet. You know, I didn't, I just, I wanted, I, I was, I wanted more attention than that, you know? So it gave me the, a way to, to fight against the thing I hated the most about myself was, was just my own self image. Yeah. Then I'm radio then I'm television. I'm afraid of everyone I'm afraid of everyone Lay the young blue bodies With the old red bodies I'm afraid of everyone I'm afraid of everyone With my kid on my shoulders I try not to hurt anybody I like But I don't have the drugs to solve I don't have the drugs to solve it out Sort it out You're incredibly eloquent spokesperson for the in-between ideas and thoughts and feelings. Um, speaking with Matt Berniger, you lay out a really nuanced idea here. I'm sure you, it makes you anxious when people quote you, uh, but uh, this is a good, they're all good quotes here. Um, you said, as a kid listening to records, you learned about mental health, depression, and about sex. When did you discover the concept of anxiety? We come late to the dance on this concept. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We hear things like fear and sorrow and dread and regret and loss and depression, but anxiety is kind of taxonomically an outlier. Do you remember when it became anxiety? When did you first come into touch with that gray part of your feeling? I, I remember specifically the, the age of 12, something happened and, and, and not, 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 not an event, but something inside me happened. And, and, and I think I was just, you know, going through, I was, I had a long neck and I had a big nose and I was not you know a jock by any means and I was uh, not eloquent and I was I was good at art my one thing I was good at and I knew I was kind of funny I knew I was funny and good at art but it didn't matter there was just a general you know just a gloominess and a sadness that just sunk in and it sunk in deep and, and no understanding of why and I think that's depression but specifically like the social anxieties and and the 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 uneasiness with speaking to people that I am intimidated by right yeah and and 
and, and just that fear of, 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 of being openly, uh, myself and, 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 you know, even speaking, speaking your real mind, not, or not just your mind, not all the stuff that you regurgitate from around you, but actually what, what your gut feels like and what your heart feels like. And I think I was so frustrated of not having the, the skills to talk about it, not having the, 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 the composure to like slow down and, 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 and say it say it right, you know, and, and I think my dad is a lawyer. He's, he, he professionally had to train himself to say things perfectly. Right. And, and, and he's, and, and he's great and he's really funny and hilarious and, and both my parents are, and they're nothing but loving and gentle and they're the best. And, but I, I, I saw what, what, what a, what a climb he had to do to, to, to prepare, to get himself into a place where he could, he could make his case for his client you know, in, 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 or himself, you know? And, and so I, I feel, I felt like there was something that I needed to learn that too. I needed to control the fear, put the fear in a place where it's not going to stop me and then survive the, the, the fear, survive the terror and get on the other side of it. And, and I, and, and, and once I did it once or twice and it happened in a bunch of places, like even like fights with, with other boys. And there was, there was some significant, you know, violent episodes with other kids uh, uh, in my youth that shaped me in, in powerful ways that, that added an incredible amount of anger yeah, and, and a new kind of anxiety, but also a, a fight, you know, like yeah. I, I was beaten up, you know, in the seventh grade, really bad by a bunch of dudes. And, 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 and that, that added an ugliness to me. Um, and an anger in me and a violence in me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a gentle person and I'm a really, but, but, but there have been, there's, there's somehow that fight to, uh, to win and to not be, not be contained and not to be, not to be held down, not to be suppressed, not to be diminished was, was lit in me, you know, yeah. that, 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 that fierce defensiveness, good things have come from that, but probably more bad. Um, my, my short, quick reaction to things, <laughs> temper, you know, and it's, and it's, and I'm a gentle man. I'm a good husband and father and all that stuff, but, but in, but professionally and creatively aggressive, uh, first, so as not to get cornered, you know? Yeah. And so all that shit is, is, uh, the anxiety of what might happen. Like I will never get beat up again. You know, before we get to our mid beat, and we're going to get to a speed round, by the way, at the end of what makes you anxious or what doesn't. But anxiety is almost Darwinistic, you know, to look at another social scientist that it's a survivalist idea. We anticipate and we can be wrong. And maybe the anxiety is to disconnect between what we anticipate and what is real. But do you buy that it's survivalist in any way? Yeah, yeah. I feel like a monkey. You know, I feel like an ape. I mean, meaning I feel like an animal. Um, and, and, and I'm not and, and I, I, that is not a, that is. I found that to be more of an enlightenment. Yeah, that's not pejorative. That's not. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. Sit, I'm not picturing you're there, there trying to masturbate while you have uh, diapers on like a monkey. That may be the case, but that wasn't yeah, what I was yeah. taking. No, but I, but that, that 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 primal uh, evolutionary instinct of being defensive um, and being circle the wagons and 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 and, and lock down the cave because the tiger's outside or the bear or the or the other tribe. Modern humans really developed. A, a sense of violence and uh, protectiveness against each other, more so than necessarily like predators. And our tools of violence are, are the internet, you know, our lies and, and information and, and the fear and that instinct to, 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 to defend yourself against all the others is manifest in our White House. So, you know, that sad 
unenlightened monkey fear. And and but then again, like I I I, I get it because I have it. You know, I have the violence, I have the fear, I have the anxiety of somebody's going to take something away from me. I guess it's just there's just a flip way of thinking at it. It's like if the if the community, if the whole group is healthy, then then and we take care of each other, then they take care of me, and then I'm I'm then I'm truly loved and safe you know yeah and so i'm 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 of that mind i believe that i, I do believe that it's just a way of thinking of it and, and and it's the fear it's the anxiety and the anxiety again is causing causing i don't think most of the, the the powers that be are doing it because they're just simple you know apes no it's because they're machiavellian terrible people yeah but our, our instinct to react to fear and to be so so easily terrified by these boogeymen um, is primal. Yeah, as you say, the straw man is the savior. Yeah, you know it's funny. <laughs> I was thinking of something David Foster Wallace uh, said, and you know this because you come from the design quadrant as well. He said an advertisement is to create an anxiety relievable only by the purchase. Yeah, so you're really creating an anxiety to swoop in and relieve it. As we get to a midbeat, I want to I want to ride these lines a little bit of anxiety because I think anxiety comes close to other dispositions, and I want you to either separate the dispositions or push them closer together. You know the late. Woody Allen uh, once said, uh, paranoia means being well-informed. you say the late Woody Allen? Yeah, that's what I call him now. Is that okay? No? <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to the late Morrissey after that. But yeah. the, the, the late Woody Allen said, <laughs> yeah. um, being paranoid means being well-informed. What's the difference between anxiety and paranoia? Uh, that's a good one. My, 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 I, I think paranoia um, is, is anxiety mixed with aggression or something meaning meaning paranoia means there's there's someone out to get me or something's out to get me and i'm going to get them first anxiety is just the is the, the the dread the paranoia is is when you're like no i've pinpointed my enemy and i'm staying a step ahead of them to get them first or something like that you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah what about anxiety and fear? Is fear more acute, meaning I don't want to cross the bridge because there's a hole in it, and anxiety is more kind of free-floating? Is one tangible, one intangible? Um, well, fear, it's so funny. I mean, I mean, I have empathy for both of those things, and they do feel different, meaning meaning I respect fear. and I re- and, But sometimes fear, like, like, like jumping off of a, of a cliff into, into a swimming hole, you know? Uh, of dark water there's a fear there's there's primal fear right but that doesn't feel like that's not anxiety right right and, and sometimes like you know walking up to the girl in the bar or whatever that's similar to jumping off that thing into the swimming hole and like the cold water you don't know how deep it's going to be or you know you know you'll live but 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 you might humiliate yourself and it might be just a bad experience right <laughs> and that kind of fear conquering those 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 fears that's like why you'll get up in the morning Right, because the the thrill of of surviving those little leaps mm. every day is what make, makes your heart bounce and make you feel feel like you're there's the, this is why life is here, you know, because there's these moments of joy and, and, and moments of evolution for yourself that you that you like I made I did it you know just going just walk into the coffee shop when you're just like you just feel ugly and stupid. You're like, you know what? I don't care. I am ugly and stupid in this morning. And I'm probably maybe too stoned to go get a coffee. And if I bump into somebody or something, <laughs> or just whatever your fear is, those, and then going out into the world and say, I'm just going to go ahead and be myself, whatever version of it and be, and be cool with it. And everybody, I hope everybody else is cool with it. That, that kind of fear is good. And like, and I think people come and watch 
live shows because they see somebody conquering fears, you know. Mm. And, and, and that's interesting. Yeah, we go to circuses. We go to we go to events um, because of its. It, we were watching apes do something fearless, right? It, like, whether it's NFL football game or a rock show or a or a poetry slam. Or somebody who just has a little art opening on the corner, you know, your Aunt Sue's hanging her art in the in the church show. You're witnessing people conquering ma- major fears every time you see somebody do that. Now, granted, if you're if you're Michael Jordan out in the basketball, you're like maybe you've conquered your fears. You're just watching somebody so good at something. But we're all really, really hungering to watch apes elevate themselves to achieve fearlessness and freedom when you watch Mick Jagger dance around like a nutcase you know just like not sexy moves or what or, but he made them sexy moves because he had the fear to j- jump around like a chicken I always use a chicken <laughs> dance or whatever he does because he just looks ridiculous when he does it but he's so sexy and, and what's sexy about it is because he's got zero fear when people refer to to Prince and David Bowie because of their fearlessness they, they did not Fearlessness in every regard, in their art, in their personal expression, and in, in how they change their personal expression constantly, and and everything. They just own themselves. They got out of the cage, you know. And I think that's that's always what we're. That's why we gather in masses to watch Olympians because they somehow conquered something that the rest of us can't. You know. It's interesting. You're an empathetic dude. My God, it's pretty. Bitchin'. You're channeling, for lack of a better verb, anxiety into the ubiquity of it, which is a very empathetic idea. Because some people wouldn't admit to anxiety. Yeah. Some people wouldn't admit it. But, you know, not to use your basketball metaphor, but I remember Grant Hill, the basketball player, said there are good butterflies and bad butterflies. And it's important to know the difference. Did he have any control over which butterflies showed up? I think, you know, butterflies are Rorschachian. You know, I think we can imprint them. As you said at the beginning, anxiety states go back to ourself. They revert to our control or lack thereof. They're about no one else but us. Yeah, yeah. Speaking with Matt Berniger, a couple more thoughts on this midbeat that I want to get to a speed round with you. I want to talk about anxiety and art. I want to talk about comedy and kind of frontier that you're branching into, although you're a funny guy anyway. Do you think anxiety can be the gasoline in the tank for cool and invigorating art like charlie kaufman or r crumb you know we talked about the late woody allen anxious people making art the, the fear of being misunderstood or not being seen motivated me to, to 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 express myself not with you know running fast or jumping doing all that other stuff you know or, or necessarily you know good in math and other stuff, even though I was okay in that stuff, the place where I was like, I realized like I went into art and, and, and the, the, I don't know, just where, where the flame felt warmest, where I wanted to keep going back to, to it w- was with art. And so in that art just was all ways of me showing myself, right? Whether it was, I was doing a, a drawing of a, of a couple of old shoes for a still life. I got it right because I wanted, when you hang that picture, those, those, the pencil drawing of the old shoes from, from the art class up there, I went, I wanted people to say like, wow, how did you do that? You know? And so I just worked hard. I just worked all night on those fucking shoes because I, not because I wanted to get the shoes right. It's just because I wanted other people to be impressed, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I wanted people to see that maybe I'm special. I have a flame. And Nick Cave talks about that flame, that candle, that, that belief of, of, of an expression of, of yourself, right? And, and that I have something that, I, that that's worth people taking a look at. Um, this little idea or just me inside, the me of me. Before we get to our speed round, I was thinking about um, 
or not so speed round. I was thinking about music is a tricky one because music is so it's math in a new way. It's metered in a different way than, let's say, uh, a screenplay by Charlie Kaufman. Can music transmit anxiety well, uh, or is it too metered to be uh, a- an anxious art form? I do think, like music, like you're saying, even wordless music is all about building anxiety and then releasing it. You know, it's 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 you scare and then you comfort. the The nature of uh, of listening to music. Um, is this is a is is a sequence of emotions that you're that you're giving to people? I don't know if I'm a musician. You know, some musicians will say if you don't know how to play an instrument, you're not a musician, and and I'm okay with that. Then I'm you know then I'm not a musician. Okay, I'm I'm a songwriter, um, and and I don't think of myself as a poet either. I think of myself as a songwriter. I, I I sing songs and melodies, and I sing words and melodies, and I put those those words together. Sometimes it happens fast. Sometimes it takes forever. But they're really crafted in a sequence to come back to come back to these ideas, then go to new ideas, and then d- take a left turn here, then come back around. And they're 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 very a good song is very much a combination of of pushing away, causing anxiety, meaning meaning confusing somebody. And it's, this isn't I, I don't think about this, but this is like like a good joke leads you down one path. Where you're like confused, and then sh- and then shows you the window that you didn't expect on the other su- over here that you're not trapped. So a good comedian just builds anxiety and then releases it, and that's where the after comes out, right? Yeah, it's the same exact thing with a song or in a live show. In a, in the two hour sequence of a live show, you really have to alienate. And I don't. It's not like on purpose, but it's just it's it's the wave of a it's the wave of expression when you tell a story. You start out dark it starts out you got to get them so you got to scare them at first you know you got to have all the ugliness and all the scariness and then the, the brightness and then the you know the, the the bright colors over here and then the, the the heavy stuff over here the cold wind and then the warm fire i want to get to a uh, speed round matt if you don't mind uh we're here with matt berniger just to uh, end things on anxiety speed round i don't know if you've ever played a game whose uh, common denominator was anxiety. Does that sound thrilling to you? Yeah, the speed round about anxiety. Go go ahead. (laughs) Yes. We're all losers in this game. There's no way to lose. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a quick list of things. You tell me if they induce anxiety or not and to what extent. It could be short yes or no. You can explain it a little bit or not. You cool? Yeah. First one is caffeine. Does caffeine create anxiety? Um, Yes, for me it does. It makes me even thinking of it because because it's either i have to uh hurry up go out and get somebody some for someone or <laughs> it makes me make me jittery um that's a i'm not great crazy about it but sometimes a, a red bull before a show is absolutely 100 percent necessary that or cocaine and i've never done cocaine so <laughs> red bull's the worst thing i do but anyway yeah next one okay next one is is uh, marijuana pot mary jane you know uh, sticky icky whatever you want to call it does that create anxiety no for me i mean the opposite um i'm a big fan i'm a big user um obviously it can if you're not used to it and you smoke too much yes as you total anxiety spiral and that is that i don't even know what that is that that's that's a moment of of a little bit of a you know a bad trip you know whether it's on something like mushrooms or or acid or or smoking too much weed can cause a real genuine bad trip and you're just smoking too much and stuff like that but but generally uh marijuana um really does 
diminish my anxiety. It does make me talk more. Um, <laughs> I guess it makes me edit myself less. Um, <laughs> so, and so, you know, it's pros and cons, but but I'm a big fan of it. I like how you look at things really relatively. It's really a gift. Um, money. No, no, and and never did. And, and even though, like, my we didn't have much, you know, my parents had to make Christmas ornaments out of old costume jewelry and stuff like that. Um, and there was, I, I know my parents, it was really lean for them, but we never, ever, my parents never t- talked about it. I, I never grew up thinking of it as a, as something to, to be afraid of. And so I guess it means we had enough. We, we, we were lucky enough not for it not to be a source of anxiety. I do believe that I am so lucky that I don't stress out about it because I think the poverty of, of the world is, is a real thing and it causes real real mental and health issues and it's a real thing. But I, I, I've never been bothered by not having it or worried about how much – I mean – like for example, like like I I've never I, I never know how much I have in my bank account. Sometimes it's none. Sometimes it's it's a lot more than I expected. And, and then I'm always throwing money into art projects, and usually I don't make it back. But every once in a while, I'll hit, I'll, I will. So uh, I'm much more concerned about uh, not having opportunity than not having money. You know? Does success make you anxious? No, it's it's relieved anxiety. There's some sort of level of success where it's just like some of the um, attention. I, as much as I love it, does elevate some anxiety. But not getting the enough attention caused me much more <laughs> much more anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> not being seen was worse. <laughs> well, then failure. Um, I'm sure I've been afraid of failure, but. I think I, I think I f- I failed enough a, a bunch of times and then and and survived a few failures you know yeah failure in terms of like um, critically or or like a show going badly and happens all the time you know it's like a show can take a dive and or just a failure in a relationship happens all the time you know we you you failed to be to say the right thing. You know, but 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 those things I've learned to like, well, just acknowledge it because every time you fail, you learn something. And so it's just like learning process. So I'm not afraid of it too much. I try to avoid it. But when it happens, I don't beat myself up too much about it. I just figure out what I did wrong. Change. Change. I really like it. And change, I think, is a lack of change causes me much more anxiety because I think we we actually we evolve and we change inside much more than we acknowledge. I, I don't think adults stop evolving I, I maybe we don't evolve at the speed of of you know kids in their adolescence or little you know little five-year-olds or how fast they change we talk about their you know how, but maybe we do i don't know i feel like I, i'm i feel like i'm different every day i feel like things in my life in, a, in the world around me change are changing faster than i can keep up with I feel like I'm not changing or not sort of growing or, or, or shape-shifting a little bit, then I get really scared and anxious. Climate change. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 we're, we're on a di- we're we're on a dying a dying organism. You know, the Earth is a is a being. You know, is is a life, and it's choking. It's coughing. It's spitting up. It's bleeding. It's on. It's 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 screaming out for for medical attention and or for and to stop being abused. And and I do think it's savable. And but do I think we're gonna do it? I mean, I, we're. It's not going anywhere. Things will survive, but it probably won't be us. You know. 
and we probably couldn't deserve to. You're winning the game, by the way. Does that shock you? You're actually winning this game. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. Uh, was I supposed to give short answers, or just you, you, was, dude? This I'll tell you. It, this is the home version, so you can. There's no audience. You can play how you want. Oh, good. Uh, midsection collaboration. Does collaboration make you anxious? Um, no, uh, uh, no. It makes me um, the opposite. A, 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 a difficult collaboration can be the hardest thing. But then also, sometimes that can be the most rewarding too. So, so yeah, it, it's it really collaboration can be really challenging. But but working alone is a dead end. I think after a while, working with family and not only your own. <laughs> yeah, uh, really, you're you're an ironic case study here. But yeah, working with family or families. That was like that was a good that was a good question. I mean, I mean, good to a level. I mean, my wife and I write together, but then to a point to sometimes where we're just everything we're thinking about constantly is the same art and our family and everything at the same time. And then my brother and I, you know, work together constantly. Um, on, on videos and the film we made and, and, and if, if you don't take a break from it you just all your everything you know all your stuff from childhood and every part of your other relationship comes into this creative collaboration and it happens in a rock band it happens anywhere you go if you're you're in a film and you're a, you're an actor in a film all your personal stuff comes to that and you get to know people and people get you collaborate and then if you get together stay together too long it it it, it, it blows up and so you just it's everything. It's in collaboration and moderation, I guess. Yeah. Not that I know what this word release means anymore, but when you release a work of art, let's call it a record in your case, but when you release something that's yours into the public, even though these things have changed, does that make you anxious? Yes, because you care about it so much, you know? And it's like, yeah. it's like when your kid goes off to school, you know, that first day, you're just really nervous all day. And you're nervous that whole first week and that, you know, and that whole first year of college can sometimes be really rough. But it is that that's the whole part of the fears. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like if, if an artist putting out art, like everyone else's job, because an artist is trying to say, I'm not going to do a normal job. I'm going to get out of the cage. And everybody else is like, well, then you better be good. You know, you can't be a faker, you know? Right. And, right. and so art criticism, harsh art criticism is important. Like the harshest criticism of, of the art I put out is usually been kind of on the money, you know, but I also, but the, but the good stuff is also on the money too. And to me, you know, I kind of, and I read it all. I tend to like read the bad things once and read the positive reviews over and over and over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even sometimes even the Grammys get it right. Like they did with <laughs> you guys. Yeah. I mean, we've been lucky. I mean, frankly, and and I don't know. I don't. I try not to think about it. But yeah, it, bad reviews sting, and they should sting. And you, and you learn something from them. You know, meeting fans, interacting with fans, anxiety. <sighs> Depends on whose turf it's on. If it's on my turf, meaning I'm on stage and I go and interact with the fans, where I'm like, this is, and I, and I go out there to do it. That I love. But fans showing up at the house or hanging outside the bus is not great. (laughs) Bumping into me on the street or saying, saying, you know, coming up to me in a restaurant, all great. But I don't, I I don't want fans to, 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 I don't like when fans pursue, you know, obviously, but, but, but any other just like running into fans is really good. But sometimes I can't do it. Sometimes I've, I've had to just say no a lot to fit pictures and stuff. Uh, um, and, and, and I feel like I do feel shitty whenever I do, but it's important for me to start to just, um, just, just avoid it. You know, the fans are, are what made us keep like, like, like the, the made us believe that what we're doing is, 
is worth doing and the, the, the looks on people's faces when we perform these songs and the tears and the happiness and you can't understand how enriching and how grateful that is um it's just when they ask for a little more than that <laughs> that you know, is when it gets a little weird yeah. yeah i could imagine when people interpret your lyrics and i'm talking about fans or journalists when people interpret what you're saying oh this is this must be what matt is going through does that make you anxious? No, that's great. Um, no, I'm a, I'm a narcissist. I mean, in, in in a sense that I do like when people are talking about me. It's funny when they got it off, when they're all off, when they're off. It makes me anxious when they get when they're right, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> yeah. but you but more often than, than than not, they're not right, and so it's just kind of fun, and I like that. Um, it's the ir- irony of being so desperate to not to be misunderstood made me go into this, but now. I find such delight in, in people totally misunderstanding maybe what I what what I would I was thinking when I wrote it. Then I'll spare you how England is really about when my girlfriend dumped me and went to England. So we'll we'll call that. Oh, that, that I heard about that. Yeah, it, it was about my girlfriend and I. So thanks, man. It was about you. I heard about that? Sorry, I had to write a song. Fucker. But the truth is, all the lyrics they change, they change for me. Like the meaning of, of one verse in a song just always is always changing depending on what's what I'm going through in the circumstances. And Fake Empire means something different in, in all these songs. Green Gloves, all these songs mean very very different things every single night. Expectations. Yeah. It causes a lot of anxiety. You know, and, and the reason that causes an anxiety because is, is you know that you're not going to live up to them. And you know at some point you're going to disappoint. And you're just trying to trying to figure out how to put that off as much as possible. But it's important to, for people to expect a lot of you. We should expect a lot of each other. We should be expecting a lot more of each other. I agree with you, man. I am so with you. You know, with a certain amount of understanding when you don't deliver, but 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 saying like I believe that you can. You know, five, ten thousand people are showing up believing that I'm going to pull it off. This like big emotional, genuine like a genuine good rock show that's 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 worthy of the name the national and of of our catalog and of what people have said about our band every night i have to prove that we're worthy that that we deserved to be here we we deserved we deserve the money you spent on that ticket i have to prove that to everybody every single person there you know and so those expectations do cause a lot of anxiety but if the, if those if those people didn't come expecting that I don't know if I'd be able to rise to it. Quick ones. Um, holidays. Something I loathe, but holidays. Um, I have a hard time with them, um, mostly because of it's the social anxiety of, of and, 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 and just the complication of it all. And yeah, you know, holidays were always really hard on me, and, and, and that had to, that ties right back into my just social anxiety. But I was always everybody loved me. I was like the funny one and stuff. But like I was, I was always like in the middle of all the fun. And sometimes like conjuring a lot of the fun. Then other times I just hide in the basement. <laughs> I suck at holidays. No, you totally do. I wrote that down twice. Uh, this is the double anxiety round. Midlife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably, certainly, I'm sure his his manifested self and behavior of mine um, that is obvious to everyone else except for me. <laughs> um, midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 48, right? If this is midlife fuck man i'll be lucky as shit right um if i'm only halfway please let that be the case but i'm probably more than halfway right so yeah yeah that fucking freaks me out i don't like that um but i'm also like holy shit though what a what a good first half you know um 
I should slow down. <laughs> you know, so it's a funny <laughs> thing. I'm like, I'm hurry up and slow down at the same time. This is supposed to be downtime. Two more and then we'll say goodbye. Downtime. Does downtime make you anxious? When I'm not making something, when I'm not creative, like I'm not putting a little bean in the jar, you know, a little email to myself with a, with a song title or a, or an idea for a t-shirt or any, whatever it is. Um, if I go a day or two without something, I really feel it. And, 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 and I, 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 it's almost like not eating. Like, like sometimes you realize you're just in such a terrible mood because you're hungry or you haven't slept. And so for me, not, not getting and sketching, I'm just like, get an idea down on a napkin, even the dumbest little thing. And it all, it only takes like a word, but it's easy to go with, to, to, to go and realize that you're not, you're not, you're not watering your creative soul and it makes you angry and it, yeah, it really causes problems does your daughter's future make you anxious you say my daughter's future as opposed to just my child's future there are forces uh, against women <laughs> now that make me furious and they've always been there of course constant dread over the well-being of, of your, your child always it's just like always there it's like a light that never goes off of like i hope she's okay i just hope she's okay i hope she's not somewhere sad crying i just hope everything's okay you know i hope she's wearing her seatbelt. everything always there never goes off but it's so you, you know you learn to just be happy that that light's always on or just at peace with that glow of just constantly thinking about so yeah there's there's anxiety about our future but i do also believe the world is is getting better i know it sounds seems so terrible but i think you know we're coughing up vile phlegm of racism and sexism you're also swallowing it at the same time but it's at least we're aware of it more than ever before i think it's not shallow it's deep it's not half an inch of water it's you know we're up to our necks in it but we can we can get through this, I think. And so I, I feel optimistic about her, her future, not not anxious now. Before I tell you what you've not won from today's show, death. Does death make you anxious? Hell yeah. More and more so, <laughs> for obvious reasons, you know? Um, but then again, I'm, I actually think about it, and I get my head around it, and I, and I write about it a lot, you know? And um, I didn't think about death as a young man, you know? And maybe that's why I... I did so many dangerous things and um and and so i'm trying to do less dangerous things because because um yeah i i i ain't looking forward to it <laughs> but then again but, but but my concept of death though i i is and i really really don't think we i mean like who am i i am just the fabric of all the influences that happened to me and, and, and that that are from my mom and my dad and my grandparents and they came from there and we're a continuum it's just a fabric so and i see my daughter right now if my light went off tomorrow, if if I got unplugged this second, like I know my presence is just just specifically in my daughter alone, much less just like my influence on my friends. I've been a good person. I've not always been a good person to everyone, but in general, generally, I think I've made more people happy than I've made people sad in the world. You know, and and I don't need to be remembered, but I do feel like my existence isn't doesn't stop. In my in my bag of flesh, this thing that that this consciousness that I'm carrying around in this body is uh, I'm very much just one of the threads in the massive blanket, right? And your being alive is almost irrelevant. Your influence evolves and changes even after you are gone. So I guess it's like I kind of feel like it's I'm already in in, in heaven a little bit. 
you know, I, I, I think of it that way. Mm. It's not a destination. It's, 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 <laughs> or a place where you end up. It's this sort of influence and in what the, the continuum of consciousness of like all the people that you've affected and your children and your parents and who you are, are as an identity, as a, as a, as an individual. So when I'm dead, it just feels like, well, that'll just be like, it's just a long sleep. You just, your body turns into dust and then it gets rejuvenated as something else and as flowers and all that stuff. I do. I believe it's just, it's just matter. We're stardust and all that kind of stuff. But then all the, all the magic of, of love, it is heavenly, you know, what we're capable of and what we've, what we've created. Um, that, that sense of, of, of heaven is, is constant um, everywhere. I, you can see it everywhere. But then you also see a lot of hell. You know, you see people in hell, you see people just like, just in their own terror and fear and sadness and pain. It's all, it's like heaven and hell are just outside the window constantly every day. I don't know whether to uh, listen to the Smiths or watch 2001, uh, but, uh, or maybe both. Yeah. Go with that. Here's what you've won. I can. Um, I'm actually going to confer on you a title you sought over 25 years ago. You were a doctor. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news, or the mediocre news, is you are a doctor of anxiety. Man, I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah. there's not a thing I wouldn't sit and chat with you about. You were a deep thinker, a great thinker. Half an inch of water, man. Sorry. Yeah. You're more than that. Still waters run deep. <laughs> so I want to thank you. And if I can be, uh, be of any service uh, on this end, please let me know. And <laughs> The bees. We'll, we'll see what's next. Bravery. We'll try that. <laughs> Whatever you do, uh, we'll be watching and listening. Uh, to me, you're a true artist, and, and I'm excited to watch from my vantage point. My best to you and the family, and, and uh, stay in touch as will I. Good to know, Robert. I appreciate that. All right, man. Ciao. Thanks, Robert. Talk to you soon. Summer sun, I run through the weather that I'm under for the feeling that I lost today. Summer sun, I run for the feeling that I lost today. Summer sun, I run through the weather that I'm under for the feeling that I lost today. Summer sun, I run for the feeling that I lost today. You must be somewhere in London You must be loving your life in the rain You must be somewhere in London Walking every lane I don't even think to make I don't even think to make I don't even think to make corrections Famous angels never come through England England gets the ones you never need I'm in a Los Angeles cathedral Minus 
I want to thank Matt Berniger for being here with us today on Murmur. I want to thank you for being here with us today on Murmur. You should be with us all the time on Murmur. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Don't be anxious. And if you are, that's cool too. It's all good. See ya. Fade of the night with the sin